Good morning, everybody. I know y'all recognize your voice. It's your Uptown Renaissance man sitting in for Miss G. Nathan on Crosstown Conversations. We've got a whole lot to talk about today. You know, I was thinking, uh, as far as football season is concerned, all we got is one more game left. We got the big Super Bowl. And I kind of chuckled to myself a little bit because I know how y'all brothers, most of y'all, even some of the sisters, I know how y'all do come football season. You get lost in your man cave, you know, uh, with, with pizza and beer and ESPN. And, you know, when the football season is all over with, you got to go back and introduce yourself to your family. <laughs> hey, kids, remember me? <laughs> I'm your daddy. And I'm back home. Until next football season. So anyway, it's that time, fellas. Uh, we got one more game left, but you're going to have to get ready to get on back and introduce yourself to them kids and your wife. You know, let them know you back from your little uh, spring hiatus. Anyway, got a lot to talk about. Um, I'm sitting in for Gene Nathan on Crosstown Conversations, and I was just checking out a story earlier today on uh, NOLA.com. And it was, you know, it was talking about the, the, the building that got burned there on Canal Street. And it's really quite sad, you know, when you, when you see like what happened, you know, what, what caused this building to burn. It was just a guy. I'm going to assume this dude must, must be homeless. He was like in a little cove trying to keep warm because it is cold out there. And, uh, I guess he's trying to keep warm, set a little fire under, um, under there and then, um, building ended up catching fire and probably need like 90 something, um, firemen to put the thing out. And, you know, I saw in the article on NOLA.com, it's like they mentioned, uh, that they are places for the homeless, like especially in this kind of severe uh, cold, they're places for them to go and be warm and, you know, and, and not have to, to do that. Um, but I was saying, you know, a lot of times you see stuff like this. It's not even just one thing. Now, I'm being somewhat presumptuous because I, I, I don't know. Um, but it's not just about uh, whether or not a guy like this has a place to stay. What is his mental condition, right? I mean, we know that, you, you know, um, I, I mean, that, caught, that part of the, 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 the system, we would have taken deep cuts you know, over the gender years. So, so what about that? So it's like a double, double whammy, whammy. You know what I'm saying? Um, a guy like this, maybe he doesn't simply just need a place to sleep. He needs a place to sleep and he needs some, uh, needs a mental evaluation as well, possibly. You know what I'm saying? It's just something, something for us to think about. And, and, uh, uh, a civilized world, 2016, when we live in the most technologically advanced country on the planet. And I know a lot of times when we talk about New Orleans and, you know, oftentimes we refer to it as being like a third world um, country. And I get the point, you know, but, it, but it's somewhat hyperbole because if you really go to some of these poor countries and you see, you know, the way people, the, the resources they have access to, the way they're forced to live, and you, and then you look at the poorest people around here. In, in many ways, you see that it's not, um, it's not, it's not a good comparison. But the point. So even in a city like New Orleans, I mean, we have to do better for those of us, those amongst us with the least. 
We have to, and we can, we can do it. And we, and you know, if we, if we open our eyes and we look around, we'll probably see all kinds of places where, you know, we squander money and other resources, you see? And, and so, you know, if, 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 if money, if the funds were tight, if the resources were tight and everything was being optimized and being used, you know, to its fullest potential, right? And we still had people doing without, then I guess at some point you just got to take the lick, right? But when we when we see that we have people who who don't have a place to a roof over their head, a, a, a people who have mental issues and they don't have people who to help them deal with it, and we have um you know resources squandered all over the place, it doesn't make sense. We could do better. Um, this is Cross Town Conversations. Uh, Chuck Perkins sitting in for Gene Nathan. If you want to give me a call at any time, feel free. The telephone number is 504-260-9265. Again, 504-260-9265. The other thing, um, I noticed that's in uh, the paper. It seems like when we start talking about marijuana, you know, they're, 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 they're kind of like, the laws are becoming more and more lenient all over the country. In fact, we got um, a lot of places, but I think Colorado, Denver, a um, couple other places where it's just it's legal now, right? You could, if you wanted, if you and, and and I guess in California, for all practical purposes, maybe you have to have some kind of medical shit. But everybody I know in California somehow gets to have that medical shit. <laughs> And so, you know, we not um, we don't view marijuana the way we used to. And to be honest with you, I know some of our older, you know, more um, religious folks, they probably, you know, still um, it's probably still problematic for them. But um, I don't it's not an issue for me. In fact, I think it's something that should have happened a long time ago. I actually saw a documentary on television once where they were talking about the early use of marijuana, how at one time it was legal. And, you know, you ever wonder why they call it a weed? The reason they call it a weed is because it actually grew like a weed. It was all over the place, right? Um, so people smoke marijuana, and, and I'm gonna say, don't quote me on the time frame, but this is like pre like 1920s, 1930s, or something like that. And then, so it wasn't like on anybody's radar. If you smoke weed, you smoked it. Who cared, right? But it began. Marijuana began to get its first kind of like bad name, believe it or not, of all places, right here in New Orleans. There were some Irish gangs apparently who who started who got into a turf war over the marijuana and and uh, one or two people got killed and so that's when people really began to start paying a little more attention to marijuana and uh, and but but that did the little turf war that happened right here in New Orleans didn't kind of like wasn't the the final nail in the co- coffin for the weed smokers for the cannabis lovers it actually was. Uh, it was some senator out in, I think, in New Mexico, and it was almost something similar to, like, the communist red scare. The senator out there started saying stuff like, the Mexicans, that's right. I mean, sounds almost like, like some Donald Trump-type language. He said, the Mexicans, they're going to they gonna smoke that stuff. They're going to get loaded. They're going to come in your house. They're going to stab up everybody. And they're going to rape your wife and, 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 and kill the rest of the family. There it is right there, you know. 
um, kind of like insinuate to to white men <laughs> that that you gonna rape the rape rape their 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 their, their wives or their daughters and, and stab up everybody. Now everybody's like, oh my God, we gotta do something about the marijuana. And that was that that's when you know they they started the process of of making marijuana illegal. Now when the first guy came up started talking about making marijuana illegal. People were like, you have to be nuts. And, and the reason they said you were nuts is because how can you make something illegal that literally grows like a weed? Apparently, from what they said, like if you drive down the interstate and you look over in these fields and you see dandelions or something like that or whatever, just growing wild in the field, they said that's that's the way you used to see um, marijuana. Back in the day, in the, in, in the early, like, 1900s, just growing all over the place. And they said that that was basically impossible. No way. It grows like a weed. You can, you will not be able to make it illegal. But now y'all remember um, what we talked about yesterday on the Conscious Hour. When Brother Muhammad Ali said, you know, um, impossible is, 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 is just a word that's tossed around by small men. Who, who are more willing to just accept the world they have received as opposed to working on um, creating the one they want to live in, you know, and, and that's a testament to it. I mean, they said it grows like a weed. We're going to make it illegal. Some people thought it was impossible, but they proved that they could do it. So fast forward, then you get us to where we are right now today. I remember right, right before Katrina, I was talking to one of my very good friends, who's a, a public defendant, right? And we just having some coffee, sitting down talking to me. He said, man, Chuck, in a city like New Orleans, as, as, as financially strapped as we are, especially in that time, you know, um, pre-Katrina, he said, you know how much money we spent prosecuting just marijuana cases every year? I asked him how much. You ready for this? Sit down when I tell you. He said in a, in a, in a financial, financially strapped city like New Orleans, we spend over $50 million every year prosecuting marijuana cases. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that is utterly ridiculous, especially when you consider, um, you know, even if, 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 if we, if, if even though marijuana is illegal and even though it's not just growing along the roadside like it, like it used to, the, the reality of the situation is for people who smoke. You could, whenever you feel like smoking, you could all, you always know where you can go find some weed. Right? So, so there's a, a shadow economy, a, a black market economy. It's, it's there. You understand what I'm saying? So you're not stopping anybody from smoking. But the one thing that does happen is because it's sort of criminalized. Because it's criminalized, uh, you know, people risk jail time. The little brother from Tulane University, um, Tony Converse, he was at my club the other day. There was a guy who, a, a, a recent, uh, 
um, an, an ex-con. He'd just been home recently, and he has a reggae band, and he's doing well, and he's well-adjusted. And he, and he just had a show at my place about a week and a half ago, and it was a cool little thing, man. To be honest with you, it seemed to be a reunion for all of the dudes who just got home from Angola. At least 20 of the people in there, you know, were um, newly released um, ex-cons. And well, anyway, the dude Tony Converse, the little kid who played for for Tulane um, football for Tulane University, I mean, he told this heart wrenching story how his mother was in a coma, and you know he needed to do some stuff to kind of help take care of his mom. And he said, "Man, you know, he got caught with like eight grams." Now I know we talk about marijuana, but I have to be honest, I I didn't hear what he said eight grams of what, but the thing I do remember hearing the brother say is he said, you know. He, they gave him 18 years in prison for eight grams of something. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. I really don't care what it is. I don't care. I don't care what the gram is, right? Unless it's eight grams of something that could kind of destroy the world. If it's eight grams of something that can destroy himself, I just don't, I, I don't, I don't see how that correlates to to 18 years you know when i was in england i was in england maybe about four or five years ago one of my good friends lives in manchester and he told me something that, that i didn't know he said that that england actually used to have more lenient drug laws laws not for not for hard drugs but for for what they call like soft drugs stuff like marijuana some of the other stuff you know they would they 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 didn't really criminalize people for 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 using those now if they thought they needed to get you some help they they would but he said then um England made a change politically and they began to take a more um harsh um approach to dealing with with drug users and you know what this guy told me he said and when that happened there was a direct relationship between that and a drastic in- increase in crime. Think about that for a minute. We're going to go to line two right now, and I'm going to talk to Pastor Garrison. How you doing, Pastor Garrison? Hey, how you doing, brother? I'm doing blessed. Yeah, you're right. What you got for me? Listen, uh, I, I'm speaking not only as the hair club president, but also a client. And uh, <laughs> that might be kind of rough since I don't have any hair. <laughs> but uh, I... Um, I actually was raised right, but I ended up uh, going left. Uh huh. Started smoking what they call weed, and I didn't know weed. That's grass, man. Why are you smoking grass? And and uh, long story short, I I ended up uh, dropping out of or smoking out of college my first year, you know, because I wasn't focused. That was one of the things. And there's a there's a little bit more lackadaisical attitude that you have, but. Um, I, in the military, when I was in the military, I ended up getting busted for possession of marijuana. And uh, fortunately for me, I, I ended up with a good lawyer that ended up just having me on summary probation for six months. And that 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 possession charge, and they actually added to my charge possession with intent to distribute, which was not the case. They just added that, which was a felony. 
and and they were really trying to get me, you know, locked into that that system of now you got a record and you're not going anywhere. Later on, I ended up, uh, you know, coming back home and uh, I uh, I was honest about the fact that I had been arrested for it and went on to uh, pursue my career in in nursing. And, uh, you know, I, I became a registered nurse at 44. But 44, I became a registered nurse as opposed to 24 or 34. And there was a lot of uh, aspects about marijuana. Yes, just like we do with tobacco and teaching about the adverse effects physiologically, you know, for the, for the cancer, emphysema, and all of these things, and what we teach about the adverse effects of alcohol and all of the things, the cirrhosis and all the other things, we have to, if we're going to open the door for this generation to, quote-unquote, be able to walk around, and they smoking blunts and walking down the street even right now because of the softness of the tone of marijuana. So if we're going to have it where it's going to be, quote-unquote, decriminalized, we have to take a more aggressive posture of educating our children at a very young age that it may be legal, but it's not really a wise choice to make. Hey, let, let me ask you this, Pastor Garrison. Why would you say it's not a wise choice to make? Why, well, would, why would you say that? One of the reasons, if you, if you, if you check, especially in the younger age, mm-hmm. many of the, the youngsters right now do not have the, the, the aspirations and the motivation to get past their high on Friday and 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 go on to you know taking care of the classes and different other things and so there, there's a tendency. right right but he, but but here's the thing I mean the same thing there could happen with boys you know what I'm saying like my youngest daughter she's 14 she's getting at the age right now where she's interested in boys and so you know the the one thing I think about is okay you are a freshman in high school then you start thinking about boys and you get distracted from your work but saying that there's something that could distract you or somehow keep you from focusing on what you need to do is one thing but saying that something can will will physically harm you in some ways you know um 5 10 15 20 years in the future is a totally different thing but but do you um, have, have you done very much research on on the residual effect? Uh, or, no, that's why I was asking you. That's that's why I was asking you what what the what what are the residual effects? Well, well, you know, they they know that that um, marijuana does cause a, a degree of um, apathy or lackadaisical. You know, I'm just chilling. You know, they, they got a couple of things that, well, technically I say there are four things that a person does when they smoke marijuana. One, they, uh, they, they, they want to be amused. And the word amused, we don't understand the word amused. We think it just means entertained. Yes, you are entertained when you're amused. You're in a particular place, whether it be a basketball game, whether it be a Nintendo, whether it be whatever. You are amused, but amused is the absence of muse or absence of thinking. There has to be critical thinking about what else is my life going to be in 10 years, 15 years, or up the road. The second thing is that they want something to eat quick, munchies. You know, and so fast food has become a very, very fast item, and people are making mega money on fast food. The third thing is they're easily agitated. 
you know, and, and we check our, you know, statistics, and believe me, increase in crime, you know, and violence and things of that sort, you know, there's a tendency to to not act like you should. You end up overreacting. And then why do I have to do it? Yeah, man, it just went, man. So, and then the last one is chilling. Mm-hmm. And, and as a result, we, we really, all of those components are in one way or another, possibly an adverse effect. Again, it's just a matter of it being important for we as a community. Well, let me say, let me let me let me say this much right here. A couple, I got a couple points I want to make. Um, one of the things I have noticed about young people, and I know this because I do have a, a, a club, is that you know I remember when I was growing up, you know I didn't I didn't I didn't smoke until I until I was an adult. You understand what I'm saying? And it was mainly I grew up in the hood. If people try to pressure me into doing anything i always did just the opposite but the thing i noticed um during those days is that if some of my friends wanted to wanted to smoke weed you know they would they was ducking and hiding come on man let's go get around this corner where nobody could see us and i have noticed to think about the young brothers today they just they stand up and and, and roll a joint and, and smoke it you know, anywhere like they uh, like they asking ordering a beer or something like that. So that is that that is problematic. I also will say that for young people who 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 don't who who don't really have a clear vision of 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 of, of where they're going and what they're doing, if they don't have that drive, if they don't if they're not ambitious, you know what I'm saying? If they ain't got a plan for for, for their life, you know, I I believe that marijuana could just be like a, a could, could could be like a little a little a little trap. Right. And, and they should and they should probably avoid it. But with that being said, I got to say this much right here. All of the the smartest people I know, like like, you know, almost people almost genius like all of them smoke. I mean, and some of them are very well accomplished and do and have done some extraordinary stuff. And they all smoke. I'm talking about college uh, pro- pro- professors. Like, I mean, all kinds of people, man. They, yeah, they, the, the they, thing about it is that when they have when they have achieved it, we may be dealing with a small segment of our population. One of the one of the things that we have to agree that there's a small segment of our population that has deviated. They are called deviant. They 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 go off from what is what would be the the norm or what would be the expected. Behavior. Well, you got to be careful about that. You got to be careful about that, um, Pastor Jack. I remember reading um, Garrison. I remember reading something once where they said, you know, you might like if, if you take uh, a person and you look at and, and you and you look at him and, um, in comparison to the overall society, you might look at him and say that he's maladjusted. You understand? But then if you take that person and you don't compare him to the overall society, you take him right back to the community where he's from and you and you uh, put him there, then you will see that he actually is um, quite well adjusted. Well, we're going to have to sit down and have a little bit more conversation on that. You know, and I, I understand exactly what you're saying, because it, it is what, what might be deemed the norm or what is acceptable in that in that community that that they may live in, you know. And like I said, for myself, and and I, I turned 65 last year, and I, you know I celebrate the fact that I did. We we actually were the generation where the gateway 
of of uh, marijuana and all of that started coming in. Dr. King actually may not have known it, but he was killed because of the speech that he made and the posture that he took in regard to the Vietnam War. And he did not know that the Vietnam War was actually a gateway for the heroin and marijuana coming into this country. Well, I know, I know, maybe possibly heroin, but I, 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 oh, I, I, don't, I don't know about extra, the marijuana extra, piece. Extra, extra brothers from the hood, man, they were bringing it in. Believe me, yeah. uh, marijuana grew all over there, and that was one of their their tools of coping with, you know. Do I, is this a North Vietnamese or a South Vietnamese? They all, as a quote-unquote, look the same. Mm-hmm. And so they were using whatever, whether it was the alcohol, whether it was the marijuana, whether it was the heroin. You know, many of them came back with those substance abuse issues. And then right after that, the Iran-Contra affair, and they brought that out, that value definitely was gateway into, you know, our issues with drugs, because as a people, we were moving very progressively. Mm-hmm. Well, and, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure about that, Pastor Garrison, but, you know, I'm not, de- I'm not denying that, uh, I mean, that, that a lot of heroin came from, from, um, Vietnam, that a lot of marijuana and cocaine and stuff came from, from, from South America when we were involved in those different places. But anyway, check it. I got a couple other, um, callers I want to take. I appreciate your call this morning, man. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Thank you very much. We're going to keep it moving right now, and we're going to go to Reverend Harrow. How you doing, Rev? (laughs) Oh, how y'all doing? Good morning, good morning, Brother Chuck. How you doing? I'm good, Brother Van. Look, I added the Reverend myself. Hey, hey, Harrow, I added the Reverend myself this morning. Uh, Lee didn't put... Lee didn't put Reverend on there. I I just added that. I like it. It got a nice little ring to it, man. You know what? You know, I, I don't I don't claim to be anything that I'm really not. So, uh, you know, I have my faults, and you know, in life. So, I I, I take a high respect to when I, I put that that terminology on a name. So, you know, I, I fall short of that. So, <laughs> what you got for me, brother man? You know what? I was just uh, listening to you talk about the uh, the eight grams and the eighteen years that that brother had gotten, and you know, I just couldn't help but just think about the the cost factor to that and, and all the, the different budget wars that we're going through in, in the United States and especially here in, in the state of Louisiana. You know, I just, that that's, they said it costs about $31,000 per year to uh, incarcerate some, per, uh, you know, a person. That equates to, you know, over half a million dollars over his term, you know, in which he was in, in prison. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what, I, I just can't help to think, you know, why can't we capture that type of money, you know, in, in today's present world before it's, you know, being spent on incarcerating people? You know, how can we, you know, and just start drumming up the conversation behind that or whatnot. Because we know they're about to throw somebody in jail, you know, within the next week. How can we capture that money uh, and, and get some organizations with $31,000 and split it up throughout the community and figure out ways to stop these people from getting in jail or, or stop them or, or, or help educate them, really. That, that's, that's really the main part, help educate them into why. Well, well you know, that's, what, that's, what, that's one of the problems with having, well, 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 well when you privatize and incentivize uh, prisons. That is one of the biggest problems. And, you know, um, Harold, when they were talking about building a new prison here, it seemed like there was a, a, a big pushback when I, I think initially they wanted to make a 5,000-bed a, a prison. And, uh, 
in but, but, yeah, 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 but um, but then they was they would they push back against that and say no, we don't need a jail that big. And initially, I didn't clearly think the thing all the way through, and I just said to myself, well, you know, what's the problem in having more than enough? You know, and one of my friends said, if they had a a, a five thousand bed facility, um. What do you think, how many people you think it's going to end up holding? And I said, 5,000 people. And it was like, right. You, under, you understand You understand what I'm saying? You, you yeah, know, I was, it, it, I was it, a part it, of that fight with, uh, that was, a, that was a, a good fight that was, I don't want to get it wrong it's as far as who led it, but who brought me into it was Brother Donald Chopin, uh, you know, 1,431 bids. And, and we were in those council chambers at that time holding up a piece of paper that said 431 bids is what we want. And, and the sheriff, he was definitely trying to push to, to get more bids. And, you know, as a matter of fact, I believe he got some of that. And it's still trying, you know, aimed at trying to get more and more bids. Right, right. Well, well, you know, and that's that's part, again, it's part of the problem when you when you sort of incentivize uh, prisons when it, when it, when and, and when you privatize privatize them that's exactly um what happens i mean you remember the case um not very long ago when they had a judge who was uh sent to prison because he was you know i mean he was using like little boys as like like raw materials for the for the prison industrial complex just sen- sending them up on bogus charges just because to to to, to fill them, them them quotas for the beds and stuff like that which is outrageous you know hopefully we hopefully that man will never see that the sun will never shine on his face again outside of prison walls. You know, yeah. when you consider how many kids, how many families were just ruined and disrupted because because of this greedy person. You know what I'm saying? I can't, you know, sometimes in private, I use some colorful language. I can't use that kind of language on the radio, yeah. Harold. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and, and shout out to Miss Jean Nathan, who, who allowed you to have this hour of uh, conversation. I, I'm, I'm glad she yielded it to such a great brother such as yourself. Oh, uh, thank you, Harold. What, 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 well, Harold, you know, I, I got to give Jean credit, man. I, you know, I've been in, with BOK now with my own show for over a year and a half, and I absolutely love it, man. I Every day I come here and get behind this microphone i actually look forward to it i can't wait to get here and i gotta just let it remind everybody that gene nathan was the one who made that possible because early on she used to call me to sit in for her and i and i would and i guess once i did that and uh, you know the people around the studio got to got to hear me and then they asked maybe if i was interested in having my own show and i, and I said of course and i gotta be honest with you when i i knew that i would kind of enjoy doing this that i would kind of like it but to be honest with you harold man i you know the the level that i enjoy doing this is way beyond what i ever imagined it, it could be Wow, you're a bill for it, baby, man. I hear the music, man. Y'all take it easy. All right, all right, all right, all right, Brother Harold. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. All right, late. I'm Dr. Eric Griggs. Join me on Thursdays from 1 to 2 p.m. where we talk about health and community affairs. Get checked, get fit, and get moving. You can friend me on Facebook at Doc Griggs or follow me on Twitter at Doc Griggs 1. Again, join me on Thursdays from 1 to 2 p.m. here on WBOK Real Talk for Real Times. Change your water, change your mind with Pastor David Pontan. Learn how alkaline and oxygen can change your life. 
every Thursday from 2 until 2.30 p.m. on 12.30 a.m. WBOK. Learn how alkaline oxygenated water can help restore, renew, and revive by eliminating toxins from your body. Remember, it's a scientific and medical fact that no disease can live in an alkaline oxygen environment. Tune in to Change Your Water, Change Your Mind every Thursday from 2 until 2.30 p.m. with Pastor Pontan on 12.30 a.m. WBOK. Showtime in the afternoon with John Slade is moving to 3 to 4 p.m. weekdays, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Continuing the message with your issues, your news, and your views. Still here on your station, WBOK 1230 AM. Remember, showtime in the afternoon with John Slade is moving to 3 to 4 p.m. weekdays, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Continuing the message on WBOK 1230 AM. Real Talk for Real Times. Monday through Friday from 4 to 6 in the afternoon, the grapevine will be informing, encouraging, and educating the inhabitants of the greatest city on earth. I'm your host, Graylin B. Banks, and I hope you'll please join us on the grapevine on WBOK 1230 AM, Real Talk for Real Times. WBOK takes it to another level every evening from 6 until 9 with the Reverend Al Sharpton. Keeping it real every weekday evening from 6 until 9 p.m. on WBOK 1230 AM where it's real talk for real time. We welcome our listeners to join us for Franklin Fridays where dialogue meets debate. Your week in your words with Dr. W.L.T. Littleton every Friday at 11 a.m. on WBOK Real Talk for Real Times Wake up everybody no more sleeping in bed no more back to thinking time for thinking ahead the world has changed so very much from what it used to be WBOK Real Talk for Real Times and we are back. This is Chuck Perkins sitting in for Gene Nathan on Crosstown Conversations. I hope everybody's doing fantastic on this chilly Thursday morning. And we've been talking about uh we've been talking about I guess the the newfound leniency toward uh uh, marijuana offenses uh, and, I, and I think it's kind of like a, a step in the right direction I don't think we need to be you know I mean expending as many resources as we have in the past you know over something like marijuana and if you know as a society if we think that marijuana does have harmful effects and and that we gotta you know maybe spend money you know um you know, I guess educating people on that, making them aware, but in terms of, you know, sending them to jail and, and helping to, 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 to feed the kind of human, um, meal that is the um, prison industrial complex. No, no way. And not, not, not today, not 2016, not if, if we're supposed to be a Christian civil society. It is not the way. We're going to go right now to line two, and we're going to talk to Miss Cheryl. How you doing, Miss Cheryl? Hey, hey, hey. 
How you doing, man? I'm okay. Oh, look. I've been listening, and I was listening to Rev early, and it was saying that the, it does things to folks. They want to chill. They want to eat. They don't want to do nothing. Uh-huh. I have family members that's been doing this for, like, decades, uh, working at the VA, uh, working in different locations and stuff, educated people that got skills and stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, like, I've never seen them in a state of mind where they didn't feel like doing anything. You know, uh, besides hormone flashes, you know, for females are concerned, that's that's natural. But it's it's like a a, a medication. I have a daughter that's mental that was a school teacher. After the storm, she lost her mind, and now that that she's um, under medication and smoking, it helps her a lot. And if she doesn't have it, it's like. It's like it's, 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 it doesn't help her to take the medication. The both have to work together for her, okay? Mm-hmm. For her it does, you know, medication and the smoking of the hemp. So I'm like, you got people that need medical marijuana. And I, I remember back in the day when I was at Charity Hospital and I was in such pain and I was going through so many things with my body and stuff and I'm still going through it. Doctor said he couldn't write that script because he didn't want to call, be called the pot doctor. And that was, that was way in the age. Understand what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. right now you got this situation when they say this is a drug and I'm like, but the Indians been smoking the peace pipe for a long time and they called it local weed. And then they came with that fire water. And that's what they talk about in our songs when they do our Mardi Gras and stuff. You know, that's what happened to the to the Indians, you know, and that's why they put them on a reservation because you're smoking and drinking, and those two don't mix unless you're a strong person and know your limits and become conscious at the same time. But to, to have people incarcerated behind marijuana and the fines, they talk about $500 fine. I'm like, man, get real. You know, over what? You know, something that grew naturally along the side of the road. And I'm like, there was a documentary on uh, PBS one time, Hyde Became Illegal. And the reason it came illegal, there were so many Caucasians doing the hard drugs, and they were trying to figure out why the African-American musicians that was killing, as they say, one acting a fool. Understand what I'm saying? So now you got this thing going on now, and they say, oh, they're acting crazy. No, they ain't crazy. There's something else going on in that family for them to be going through what they're going through. There's a mental problem, and then let them smoke their little pot, and they'll be mellow. Those folks that's out there doing the hard crimes, those people on hard drugs. That's all I gotta say. Talk to you later, <laughs> all right, Miss. All right, Miss Cheryl. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it for my for my, for my uh, first time listeners. If you want to call in and get in on the conversation, the telephone number is five zero four two six zero nine two six five. Again, five zero four two six zero nine two six five. You know, I wanted to. I'm such a rebel, y'all. I tell y'all my first experience with with marijuana. Like I say, growing up in Pigeon Town, I never smoked. You know, because it, to me it seemed like there was always somebody. You know, oh man, you jive, man. You know, and, and you know that's the kind of talk right there that if you if you want me to do something you know if you try to pressure me like that that is the way that's the worst thing in the world because i got too much pride for that you know what i'm saying i got you know i'm too too much of a man for that even when i was a a, a young boy it's like i ain't gonna do nothing because you want me to do it (laughs) you understand what i'm saying i was like man look i'm i I ain't i ain't doing that me you could fight all day long that's the kind of that's the attitude i had right now Okay, fast forward, I go to the Marine Corps. While I'm in the Marine Corps, you know, they will send you to, they would send you to the brig if, if you got popped on a, on, a, on one of them tests. They will send you to brig. You do like, do jail time. You understand what I'm saying? And it was a trip, man. We wake up in the morning and they'll, you know, we have to just get in line and everybody go pee in a bottle. 
And every now and then be like, oh, man, they got my boy Hawthorne. They got Etheridge, <laughs> which I never understood. It's like, man, really? You going you going home to D.C. this weekend and um, and you going to smoke. And, 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 and now when we get back, there's a good chance that they go, that they gonna give us a test. And if you come up dirty, you're going to jail. You're going to do that. Right. Um, I remember when I first, um, when I, when I, when I graduated from Xavier and I went to, uh, got my first job and, and before I started working, it was with Kraft Foods. I, of course, I got to go and take a, take a, take a, a P test. Right. And I remember the doctor said, man, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. So you smoke one, you smoke a joint, you know, and, a, and the way the doctor was saying it's like, it's pretty innocuous, right? You smoke a joint and that stuff is going to, the, 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 whatever you call it, TCT, whatever, it's going to stay in your body for at least 30 days. He said, now, if you out there snorting cocaine, that is going to stay in your body for a day. So the people who come in here and get, <laughs> and get, and get the test, the, 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 the cocaine users, they ain't catching none of them. The only ones they catching the marijuana users, right? Now, so what happened um, back to when I was in the Marine Corps, they send you to jail. I'm such a rebel, man. Um, I, I was smart enough. I ain't smoking because I ain't, I don't, I ain't giving y'all none of my money. I ain't going to spend no time in your brig. And so I don't even, you know, that, that, that stuff don't mean nothing to me. You understand what I'm saying? The day I got out the Marine Corps, I said, you know what? <laughs> I smoked the fattest joint ever. Ever. And what y'all going to do about it? So that was just me just, uh, 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 again, just being the, the consummate rebel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The consummate rebel. Yep. But anyway, I am very happy that we kind of like starting to have a more uh, common uh, sense approach with this. It, you know, it certainly isn't anything um, where, where we need to be giving people uh, jail time. No. And from what the, what the earlier brother said, Pastor Garrison, you know, when, when I, when I do see young brothers who seem to not have any ambition and any focus and, you know, and they got that little dog look in their eye, you know, when I see them smoking marijuana, it, you know, it's, I don't know, I feel like that, that's just something that's getting them deeper in the hole. But on the flip side of that, I know some really, um, ingenious, people who have a tremendous amount of ambition uh, a, a tremendous amount of uh ingenuity and and you know they they seem to smoke and it doesn't seem to um it doesn't seem to create any problems for them you know now what about my man montel what's it what's his name Mon, what's what's the dude name lee montel the, the 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 talk show host montel williams is that is that him, Montel Williams? You know, he did a lot of infom- infomercials, and, and he's one of them brothers, kind of like on the cutting edge of the whole thing, who who feel like uh, marijuana has a lot of medicinal um, um, uses, a, a lot of medicinal um, purposes. What do y'all think about that? If anybody, if anybody out there, you know, want to give me a call and uh, let me know, um, please do so. Five zero four two six zero nine two six five. There's another thing I, I read about in uh, International Business Times where they were talking about um, New Louisiana basically being the prison capital of the world. <laughs> can you can you imagine that, boy? You know what a what a what a a title to have, Louisiana prison capital of the world. And um, just recently, we've hosted the biggest U.S. 
prison convention. Wow, <laughs> that is that is something, right? We ho- we host the biggest U.S. prison convention. The thing that seemed kind of twisted about that is that uh, this prison convention in order for all of those people to eat right they need prisoners in fact i'm gonna go to the i'm I'm gonna share some of this article with you but i'm gonna go to the last line um where the guy said okay this is the last line of this 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 article and uh, he says the organization suggests offering a giveaway or a raffle at your boot to attract people. It added, we wish you a profitable 2016 and we want you to have a great show. Now, when you at the prison, the, the, the prison convention, the, 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 the U.S. prison convention, when you're there and you wish everybody a profitable <laughs> 2016, do you know what you're wishing for? You know, I talked about that, uh, that war prayer that about Mark Twain, you know, um, we, we talked about that on the radio a couple, couple of months ago. And he's basically saying sometimes you, you could pray for one thing and on the surface, it seems really innocuous, but he said a lot of times when you pray for one thing, you're really praying for two things. And it's the, it's the, it's that second prayer that's unseen. That's really the, you know, vile, evil, crass kind of prayer. And so. This thing fits right into to, to that point. When you wish people at the U.S. prison convention a profitable 2016, you are basically saying, you know, I sure hope we get to throw a whole lot of, you know, people in jail this year. I I I I, I hope the police have a lot of success. And I, and I hope they could, they could twist the laws in our favor and, 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 and just to fill them prisons. That's essentially what they're saying. That is twisted, man. That is twisted. We're going to go to line two right now and we're going to talk to Mr. Keith. How you doing, Keith? Hey, brother. Keith, John T. Let me see this. In the Marine Corps and some of these silver surge jobs, you got to take that urine test. They're not judging about your job and how you perform. They know you perform your job good. You're a good operator with machines. They're judging by their PP test, bro. I think I think you're right. I know a lot of brothers who do it, Chuck, who operate bulldozers and cranes and drive an automobile while smoking from here to yonder. Not one traffic ticket, no accidents, straight up. They're not judging you by how you work you can do. How good you on the job, your character, how you can talk to them like grown men, they're judging you by a PP test. They're making money off you when you go to jail, brother. And these people know, hey, man, I know a lot of intellectuals get together on the weekends, watches, rain, good clothes, nice houses, big yards, got dens. The kids way somewhere else. And they sit up and listen to jazz and just talk, brother. What's happening in the world? Talk to me. And, and, and these people talk like intellectuals. That stuff don't bother them, man. But when you drink that alcohol, two or three shots of that Jack Daniel, Jim Bean, and that cutting shot, you're going to change the whole scene, bro. You went to party with all that alcohol was. But once you get that alcohol in, oh, these heavy they won't fight. You know what I'm saying? That alcohol is a monster, bro. I'm telling you. How can you, you in, in the war in the war in 20, they want the war behind this stuff, man. 
you know, turf killer, killers all over the turf. You seen uh, when he blew up, bus show, Bill Bowers, Johnny, all man, look, they went to war over this kind of stuff. But we, man, this stuff, you don't have to go through no process with this stuff, man. You know, it has its own built in. You know, it ain't, it ain't no cocaine and heroin. You got to stomp this stuff a million times to make street sale to keep people from dying on it. Look what happened to our sister who recently had the famous sister. You know who I'm talking about. Who you? You just passed away, man. That trash messed your vital organs up, man. And you got a monk on your back for sure, bro. You saw the Ray Charles move. I say this all the time, man. Marijuana don't do that. And it ain't no gateway. The gateway is you. When you do something, you make up your own mind to do this, bro. You know? Look at that LSD with them hippies, man. Long as they were smoking pot, they was happy and intellectual. But when they went on that acid trip, they couldn't come back, bro. They couldn't come back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear you. Anyway, if they legalize this thing, you can get rid of all the dispensary because I don't like these hippies dispensary. I want to see a real medical sign up there. And when you do pack it, 20 in the pack, you buy one this week. The only time you can get another pack is come back another week. And when <laughs> the youngsters come in there, you can tell youngsters from 2025, 20, kick them youngsters out of there. That's how you keep it together, bro, because the youngsters bro, drew a lot of heat in this game, bro. Mm-hmm. And when them hippies, when they went to Hike and Ashbury and Frisco, guess who followed them? The runaway youth, drawing all that heat. We was in school, bro. Hey, man, we had money. We had cars. We had places to go. There was never no youngsters around us. And some junior highs like to come hang around the senior high school, man. Look, y'all got to get out of here, bro. That police station right up the street. I ain't let them people come. Nah, get them out of here, bro. You know, go with your little come Go back to school, man. <laughs> Send them runaways back home. Send them back to junior high school. Don't come around here with this. You understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying, bro? Yep. Young people with heat, bro. But you see what happened in that Hades, New Jack City thing, man. That was the open invitation. It was a bum rush, bro. It was made for anybody and everybody. But look how many people died and went to jail. Bro. Yeah, you're right. Well, we're going to leave it right you know there, brother Keith. We so got what the, you... I'm saying is this. There's nothing wrong with marijuana. It gives you a good sexual appetite, and it makes you eat. For those who got healthy bodies, watch your waistline, bro. And your wife going to call you a sex beast. <laughs> I'm going to leave it right there, brother. All right, Keith. Okay, all right, Keith. Be good, brother, man. We're going to go to line three right now and talk to L. What's happening, L? What's happening? What's happening? How you feeling? I'm good, brother, man. What you up to? Oh, everything is beautiful out here enjoying this good weather. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Hey, I have a, uh, a, a touch on it uh, on the marijuana uh, thing. There's a website called uh, Mallory's Hope. It's about a, a, a guy in, his, in, 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 the, in the fight for... Uh, for for his daughter, his daughter had um, I think it's epileptic epileptic seizure or something like that. She was having like constantly. And I actually met the guy. I'm out, I drive a cab, so I actually met the guy. And me and him talked the whole time on the way to the airport. Uh-huh. And he uh, introduced me to that website, man. It is a powerful website. And and I have a daughter too, so I know how you know you kind of I kind of can feel it. I know you do also. Right. So, I, I really felt this guy when me and him had that conversation, and we had this conversation, like I say, for about 25 minutes all the way from downtown to the airport, you know. And he's uh, real passionate about the, the situation that he had to go through, but uh, all the all the um, the obstacles that he had to go through dealing with uh, the police and federal and all this and that, 
Um, and just like almost anybody else, you know, we think, you know, we're not about to, you know, give my, my daughter a joint or nothing like that. But um, but there's something else that's in in in, uh, in marijuana that helps suppresses uh, uh, seizures. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. But that that's one that's just one of the medical things that it that it that it happens. But this website this uh, website is his actual story about his journey uh, to to trying to restore his daughter to being a daughter to being a child to have fun. I mean from seven to ten times a day seizures to wow. less than less I think less than one a year. Less than uh a one a year, something like that. Wow. Well, you know, I mean in, in, in light of that kind of stuff, man, if you get if you get them kind of re- results, you know, then why criminalize that? Why? You know what I mean? Well, let me tell you this, because I can go in my backyard and grow this. The pharmaceutical uh, company cannot even, you know, don't have no way of profiting off it. If it's a, if it's in a definite economically um, um, basis for the reason why it is continually to be uh, fought. Right. You know. Even, look, and, and I went to I went to Cozumel, right? So one of the stories they were telling Cozumel, they have they have this uh, the the. the um, the Mayan, uh, in the, the Mayan uh, reservation, right? Uh-huh. So, and it's the only Mayan reservation that's actually dedicated to a woman. Wow. Okay? So the, the marriage and everything, uh, the marriage, marital ceremonies used to happen over there. And what they would do, and they were known for chocolate. They would, they would drink like six or seven, eight cups of chocolate. Then they'd smoke a, 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 a fatty, and then they'd go in... And uh, consummate their um, their uh, you know their their marriage, and it was part of their you know the the process of uh, actually becoming a union. That wow. that was that was funny. That was live. So. Well, hey, hey man. Well, um, thanks thanks for the call, L. No problem. Yeah, man. you're right. Hope. Yeah, yeah, you're right, man. Appreciate it. We are gonna go to line two right now and talk to Eric. What's happening, Eric? Hey, God bless you. How you doing? Um, I'm doing fine, man. Talk to me. What you got for me? Where are you? We talk about marijuana's research I've run across says lung cancer is a side of, can be a side effect. Weaken the immune system, increase risk for heart attack, hallucinations, blood pressure, and also it can help or cause problems related to seizures. So I think if anybody's going to resort to using marijuana, they have to be in a pretty desperate situation. I think there's probably a lot more healthier alternatives for people to use to get whatever side effect they're looking for as opposed to relying on marijuana. Also, I understand the brain cells are damaged from using marijuana along with some negative side effects in terms of, uh, I guess, sexual performance, a decrease of sperm or decreasing the health of your sperm. So uh, I, I think it's, it's definitely, a, to me, it's just real brain there to try to use marijuana to try to improve any aspect of your life when there's a lot more positive alternatives out there. Yeah, um, I I don't I don't know, man. I, I you know, like you just made a couple points, and it could be could be true. I I'm gonna be honest. Well, I, black folks is bad condition. We in. We, we but but no but, 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 but something like that that may cause these. Well, let me say. But let me say this much right here. Um, <laughs> like the the facts you just named and listed, it could be true, but I I doubt it. And um, and here's the thing you gotta gotta understand. Like just to say that here's a potential side effect is is not enough. You know what I'm saying? You gotta say like like what, what like like percentage wise. For instance, 
even if you take something as innocuous as aspirin, right? Now, you know, shoot, people, you take aspirin and you get a little headache or just not feeling well. You take aspirin, you don't even really think about it. But if you take out the package insert on aspirin and you look at all of the potential um, negative side effects by taking aspirin, I mean, if you, 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 it, it might uh, make you not ever want to take anything. You understand what I'm saying? Even when you get right down to it, and the only reason I know this is, is because I sold pharmaceuticals, and so did so did Lee. Um, sometimes, like even placebo, and as you know, placebo ain't nothing but like a, a sugar pill, right? You could take a placebo, and if you and, and in a, a, a package insert, they're gonna say they're gonna have some some negative side effects uh, associated with that as well. You know, now if you say you smoke marijuana, and chances in uh, the chances you you know you got like a a thirty five or forty percent chance of having this negative thing happen, it's like oh wow, well that's pretty substantial. In serious, but if it's at uh, only like about a two or three or four percent chance of that happening, if you take placebo, you're gonna have a two or three or four uh, um, percent chance of that exact same thing happening. Well, with a placebo, you probably wouldn't be getting lung cancer. Okay, with a placebo, you probably wouldn't be having any kind of increased rate for, for um, a heart attack. Or weaken immune system. You, you're not taking anything. But but listen, I don't want to really step because I'm not a medical. I'm not a medical doctor, but I am. I, I am going to say this: like in almost all every most of the drugs we use, when they when 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 they're studying these when they study these drugs, Eric, um, a lot of times depending on how the study is set up, they'll have placebos, right? And in mm-hmm. and, and almost all of them, if you the people who took the placebo experienced some of the, the very same negative effects as the people who took uh, the real drug. Well, there, there you have you relying on the mind to uh, create these, these kind of side effects. OK, so the thing is, in, ter- in terms of relying on marijuana to do something for you, rely on your mind, rely on your spirituality. Uh, to me, to take marijuana is, is admitting you're in a weakened state, and you're you're trying to use something that's not, with a lot of documentation out there, is not good for your your body. But uh, yet people result to that because maybe I'm not sure they can't find anything better. But again, to me, it just compounds the problem that you're currently dealing with. See, I I, I disagree. I think that they do have a lot of medicinal purposes for marijuana and one of my biggest regrets is that when my father-in-law d- died he was dying of cancer and I was of course I was a little younger at the time and and me and my wife and my daughters we had just moved back from um, from Wisconsin and and my father-in-law was just not in good health man and, and he said man I need to smoke something and, and, and it, 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 it's the thing that will help me feel better and I was just saying to myself man I'm in my mother-in-law's house if she come home and she smell weed in this house she gonna kill me and now I regret I wish that I could I, I, I would have I would have did that for him. One of my friends out in California who just died, um, he, he, he just died maybe about six months ago uh, and he was in a lot of pain. And he said that uh, that new kind of vapor stuff, he said that was the only thing that gave him any relief. That was it. You, you understand? And so I don't know, man, I got to I. I to me, it's well, again. If black folks want to go with white, white society, says a lot of times I think we have to be very cynical and skeptical about what's pushed on the black community. Again, a lot of experts say marijuana is definitely a gateway drug. I just have me talking. A lot of experts have said that, 
I mean, I mean, if I mean, if 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 maybe alcohol, maybe. I, I, too many questions. Why I would want to take something that can possibly do me even more harm than what I'm going through? I tell you what, if you if I had a person, one of them, one of them was drinking, and one of them was was, was addicted to alcohol, and one of them was addicted to weed. Give me the person that's addicted to weed. I, I don't want either one of them. <laughs> right, I got both you. Both of them are having problems dealing with life. But again, we have to find some positive ways of dealing with ag- life, ag- life as opposed to relying on. Ag- again, weed Eric, or some of the, again, Eric, one of the mo- some of the most ingenious people I know smoke weed. Well, again, we all make mistakes. None of us are perfect, but there's better ways. Of, and Gene, they may be smart in one area, but they may be dumb in another area. Uh, okay, well, um, that's that's a good point. Thank you, E. I appreciate right, it, baby. Care, yeah, you're right. Later.